And the word is worship. Depending on where you are, worship means so many different things. Uh, being a praise and worship leader, we always think of worship being a bad song or a slow song. We didn't find a worship song I would hear him say. And so to me, or to us, that was slow tempo down. <laughs> you know? But worship could mean so much more than that. And as I went into the city, I said, God, what is worship in the kingdom of God? You know, God does everything in timing and rhythm. So yes, it may be a slowness or it may be an immediately thing as he speaks of. But God, what is it? What is worship to you? What should worship look like in the body of Christ? Not just uh, as a praise and worship leader. And then the world has a form of worship. <laughs> you ever seen that dude with the car that you can't touch a ride in? You know, they always, I see them in the parking lot, you can be at Walmart, they park their car way down the other end, and then they be in there cleaning it. <laughs> Worship. Then they stand back and look at it. And this is the good part, when they stand back and then they pop the towel, because they know <laughs> it's good. You know, a form of worship. Worship is something that you admire. That you glorify. Something that you look at and it just does something to you emotionally. Go ahead. You get sheer satisfactory out of that car when you see it. And when you know us in our kitchen, we want our kitchen and our house to look a certain way. You know? But what does that look like in the body of Christ? Think about all the time, the effort that we put in getting something just right. What if God could get us just right? What would that look like? What would the world that we live in look like? I'll be coming from Romans 12, 1 and 2. And we hear this scripture a lot. But what we want to do, we want to break this scripture down to see what a true worshiper for the kingdom of God looks for. And I love Paul because Paul was a no-nonsense kind of man. When, when he talked, he told it to you just right. You like it, you like it, if you didn't, you didn't. But he was so in tune with, with the presence of God that no matter where he went, he didn't back down, nor did he bite his tongue. If you wanted to hear it or not, he was going to tell you. Because Paul went through a transformation like none other. He went from killing those that he went to saving once God got a hold of him. He was first persecuting them. Now his job is to transform them into the body of And you couldn't stop him. Jail could not hold him. To the day he left earth. He became a worshiper, a living sacrifice for the kingdom of God. The scripture reads, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your body a living sacrifice. Just that alone is powerful. As a living sacrifice, holy 
acceptable to God, which is who your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewance of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Hmm. When we were in school, it was this guy that we went to school with. He's deceased now. His name was, you know, you know Henry Cleveland. And Henry Cleveland was Michael Jackson up and down. Every day, I don't know if it was the same pair of black pants, the same white socks. He had the penny loafers that he put the quarter in. He had the leather jacket that he would roll up and have a little bit of that sleeve hanging out. He even processed his hair and wore a peak in the front. <laughs> mm -hmm. You remember? You remember? Okay. He was Michael Jackson almost every day, right? And if he didn't have on a black and white, he still found his pants just a little bit above his shoe line where you could see the, the white sock, the black shoe, and if he had on a button down, it still had to be rolled up a certain kind of way. And we called him MJ, because that was Michael Jackson. He didn't smile. People would be saying stuff, but he was dedicated to the look. He was dedicated. You never call him off guard. He would even stand with kind of like his hands in his pocket. Like he was about to, you know, you know, waiting for that theme song on the plate. When you saw him, he had to look. If he sat on the courtyard, he had his shades on. But he was serious. He was always serious. You remember? He was always serious. And he was dedicated to what he worshipped. He studied Michael Jackson so long, even his walk had that little two-step to it.
say people look holy when they dress a certain kind of way. But you have to realize we serve a God that is not worried about this. He's worried about the, what's on the inside. So holy is to be set apart. Not only do I have to die to the form that I was in, but now I have to be set apart. <laughs> we have to be in a place with God to where we don't look like what the world say we are. Set apart. I can't be what they want me to be because now I have been transformed, renewed into the body of Christ. So now I take on the holiness of Christ. Be ye holy for I am holy. I don't know of anyone that's in the world that's talking about being holy. That's not even a word that I know that they can use. But he says that we have to be holy for he is holy. So we have to be set apart. <laughs> and, and, and it's something because I, in the scripture Jesus says, he says, I'm, I live in this world, but I'm not from here. So he came being set apart. That's why in the Gospels, he went in and he turned Rome upside down. Because he wanted his presence to be known. How many of us are turning communities upside down? How many of us are even turning our households upside down? When we become the body of Christ, something changes. When he grabs hold of us and we're holding on for a dear life, something changes. I had a conversation with my sister the other day, and you know, I love my mother dearly, and those of you that know, knew that. But her passing has really been an eye-opener to me. Because there are some things that my mother wanted to save us from. But she won't be here always. So I still got to deal with these issues that I have. And then my sister was talking about that, and I said, you know what? I said, Mom never let us have a sibling rivalry. Never. Never. If we, we got into all with one another, my mother would get on the phone and make it right. Now, Tony, you know how Terry is. Now, you know she is and that. And I'd be like, yes, ma'am. Now, you know she didn't mean it. Y'all need to work on this. But she never let us work on it. Then she called my sister. Now, Terry, you know how Tony is. She's a <laughs> and she ain't going to say nothing. You don't need to be talking to her like that. Because my sister's a bulldog. You don't need to be talking to her like that. All she's going to do is shut down. And y'all need to stop that. But whenever we got together, we looked at moms and where we didn't want to upset her. So we never dealt with it. I could be so mad at her. But I wouldn't say nothing. And then as time go on, you okay. But as soon as something happened, all of that comes back up again because you didn't deal with it. So my mother passed in April, and what was it, babe? Two weeks ago, me and my sister had a knocked out three-hour drag out, and I told her, you're going to leave it here, and you're going to leave here loving me. But say what you got to say so that we can move forward. But my mom tried to keep us safe. And there's certain things 
deal with it. Deal with that. Work on it. Get that right now. And when you walk with this walk of God, what hope he looks like is that it comes to a place where when my, my spiritual alarm starts alarming, I got to deal with it. But how I deal with it represents God. I can't deal with it the way the world say. I have to go to the Father. Show me how to have a conversation that I know may get ugly, but yet let me still love. God, when they speak, let me not just think of what I want to say next. Let me hear them. Let me have compassion for what they're saying. So we have to deal with things different. We're set apart from the ways of the world. And I'm telling you, when you go through those gospels, Jesus is an excellent example. When Peter, when they come in to get him, uh, and the soldiers came, Peter probably would have done what all of us would have done. Drew a sword, protect, protect our, our Jesus. He says, no. We wrestle not. We flesh and blood. And then he knew the one that was coming to get him. That's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> Kill and then let him carry him off. <laughs> I'm still working on that one. I'm, I'm still working on that. Because, you know, I was Team Peter. <laughs> but it comes to the point that he represented the kingdom of God to the very end. Even healing on he set apart. He couldn't even bow down to this world. He says, I'm here, but I'm not from here. What you guys do don't even make sense to me. It doesn't make sense. There's some things that we are engaged in that should not make sense to us. It shouldn't make sense. And if it don't make sense, what are we doing about it? Are we seeking God? Are we going into worship with him? Are we getting a better understanding of who he called us to be and what we ought to do with this situation? Or are we getting on the phone and whatever they say, that's what we follow suit with? It's quick to be outnumbered <laughs> in this family. It's quick to be outnumbered. But we have to stand our grounds. And we have to know um, who are we Worshiping, who are we honoring today? What would he have us to do? And then he uses the, he says, Paul says that we should be acceptable. Acceptable is being pleasing to God. God, what I'm doing is saying, is my life pleasing to you today? That also goes, that, you know, we can't go to God any kind of way. I talk a lot about posture. How do you go? I think about the woman um, in the, the book of Luke. I think it's uh, Luke 7, coming down 39, where the, uh, Jesus went in and had dinner with the Pharisee. And when he went in and had dinner with her, this woman comes in. And it says that when she entered the house, the scripture never said that she knocked or that she had an invitation. She knew that Jesus was there. And wherever Jesus was, she had the right to be. So when she went in, it says that she went down at his feet. And it says, with her tears, she washed his 
feet and she dragged it with her hands. That is a form of worship. See, some feel that worship starts when we get into church, when we enter the building. No, no, worship is your lifestyle. When enough is enough. When you get to that breaking place of what do I do now? And we've all been there. When your children get the treatment, people on your job get the treatment, family get to start going chaotic, and sometimes even in the house of God. So when she got to a place in her life where enough was enough, and she heard that Jesus was there, so she made her way to his feet. And what I like about that is worship has a posture. We quit the world of staying toe-to-toe. You can hear it when people feel like they're here with, with, with God and good. Because they're saying, I told God. What would you have allowed in this space? To where you could tell God. He says that we need to be at his feet. Which keep us at a bowing position with him, a state of humbleness. It says that when she got there, she started cleaning him up. The Pharisee was like, uh, if he the Messiah, uh, shouldn't he know? He said, but wait a minute. He said, he heard his thoughts. And what he says, he said, when I entered your house, you didn't wash my feet. In fact, then, that was custom. Because they, they had sandals and the dirt. So when they enter into your home, just like some people, when you enter, you pull your shoes off at the front door, they had it so that they would wipe, wash the guest's feet. First of all, we don't want the dirt in our house. It was custom. Pharisees didn't do that. And then you greet them. At the door, you know, sometimes we greet people and we greet them with a kiss and a hug. He said, she did all of this, but this is your house, and you did none of it. Sometimes we can get so complacent with our walk with Christ to where we lose the posture that we should have before him. And when we lose that posture with him, then we find that we can talk to him like we're talking to our kids. So is your posture for God acceptable? Is it pleasing to him? When we enter into his presence, is he pleased with what he sees? Are we going and giving him our all? <laughs> our lives should be according to his will for our lives, not our own. If you like me, I try to plan my day. This is what I'm going to do today. I'm going to do X, Y, Z, and A, B, and C. I'm going to be back at the house. I'm going to uh, go ahead and put that meat on, put it in that crock pot. So by the time they get home, I at least have that part of it done. Then I can just, you know, steam some vegetables or something. Then by 8 o'clock, I'm going to be sitting down somewhere. By 10, I'm going to be. <laughs> we could plan our whole day. But how many times do it end the way we planned it? Yeah, it, don't, it, don't, it don't end that way. Sometimes we're like, Andy, oh, I didn't get to be in the pot. You want to be in that no dinner? See, what, what had happened was, <laughs> what had happened was, we can get to the place where God can interrupt our lives 
because we don't belong to you. You're playing all day long. But if God has something for you that day, he will interrupt you to get the job done. And being a true worshiper, we know the presence of God. We know the feeling of him. It's that nudging to go see about somebody, to go check, to check on somebody, or to call someone. Sometimes he'll detour you to just walk around in Walmart and you run up on somebody and you begin talking about his presence. So it's our living, our everyday life, is the pleasing with him. Is it acceptable? We're still talking about worship. This is all worship again. Being in fine tune with the one. He says in the commandments that there should be no other God before him. And I think sometimes we put so much other stuff in front of him. And then we get so weighed down and so heavy and we can't get out the rut. And we have to lay some things aside. My word for this year is I'm done. I had to get to that place. It's certain things I cannot do. I've tried it. I've tried it long enough. And I can't do it. It's okay to walk away from some things. Especially when it gets me all out of sort of what God is calling me to be. Because I want my worship to be pleasing unto him. I want my life to represent him. So I have to stay holy before him. And I can't let other people's issues consume me. I am not your God. You are not their God. People call sometimes and say, I want you to pray with me. I haven't got to the point where I say, I'll pray with you. Because I can't take it all on. We can't take it all on. Because he is the creator of the created. And he knows what he's trying to pull out of our lives. I only know what you show me or tell me. But he knows you from the inside out. And sometimes you got to go through the valley. <laughs> he didn't call me to go there this week. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> when you come out, I'll be here. <laughs> but sometimes we get so involved and so deep in what God is doing in somebody's life. So we take it on as our own. Then we wonder why we feel in a certain type of way. Why it's hard for us to maneuver. How it's hard for us to pray. How it's hard for us to realize. Because what I'm feeling is not mine. But that's not for you. She needs me. She needs a relationship. And maybe you're there to draw her closer to God. He says, if you draw not to me, I'll draw her to you. And sometimes people can see the, the God in your life, and that's what they call it on. But when they rest, that is a spiritual thing. And you can have that same spirit in me operating in you. So when people start seeing you and they say, oh, I need to talk to you. I need you to pray. Your alarm should start going off. Uh-oh. 
This is a crisis for God. <laughs> Give them scriptures. Pray with them. Amen. Have that conversation to see where they are. I don't think we do enough in the body of Christ. We just assume because everybody come on Sunday, because everybody participate in Bible study, that they are good with God. And sometimes they're at a place to where they're drawn to something. And it's our job as disciples of Christ to get you into a relationship with God. Not allowing others to be their God. Man. I talk a lot about my mother. My mother made one time when we was in church service. She says, my mother was getting tired. She was wanting to close down the church. And it was just the family. And we would go to church and then we would all go down to my mama's house and have dinner. So I think dinner drew some of us. Because <laughs> she would do the spread. I mean, she had it all laid out. And, and we would go for dinner. And I remember one Sunday, my mom stood in the pulpit and she said, if I close this church today, today, any of y'all would go somewhere else. Well, I sit on the front row. I, my hand, I looked around. <laughs> my hand was the only one in the air. And it bothered us. And my husband and I talked about that. Yeah, I'm sorry. He's, my husband's hand was up too. <laughs> but the rest of them didn't know. And that bothered me. Because I'm like, we've been doing this for years. My mother had us at and when I was in grade school, at the kitchen table doing Bible study, it got so good that other kids in the neighborhood started coming, you know? And so we were sitting at the table, and I'm like, why are they coming? And my mother was getting tired. But she kept the church up another two years because she told me, she says, I can't close the church because if I let the church go, they won't go nowhere. I can't just leave them. But I was at a place, leave them. <laughs> <laughs> leave them. Because if they don't have a relationship with him now, they're drawn to you and not to God. So when you extend your stay, they are attaching themselves to you and not to God. And they don't believe what comes out of you instead of getting in the word and having a relationship to where they can worship him. When things go bad, there's sometimes I should be crying, but my hands is raised and I'm thanking God. There should be times where I should just give up, but my knees go down and I'm calling on God. David never gave up. And his struggle was real. Not only was it struggle that he was a man of God, but he was also a king, but he still was jacked up in so many ways. But God said, I know his heart. And if I keep knocking on him and turning on him, he'll soon answer and know me for himself. See, some of us are looking at where people are now and we're counting them out. I'm not counting you out, but I want you to know that that same thing that you are looking at individuals have been seeing, that how they got it all put together, first of all, they are all put together. And second of all, it is a God in them. Their worship is for real. God can depend on them. 
embarrass me just for a little while. Just, just get a place with me. You're so, we're so consumed about what's going on outside of these doors to where we never go behind heaven doors. We never draw strength from the kingdom of God in which we were created from. And he's wanting us to depend on him through the good and through the bad. And every now and again, just tell him thank you. Just acknowledge how good he is. Just, just acknowledge him and watch what he do for you. The woman entered into the Pharisee, the Pharisee's house at a very crucial time in her life. She had probably tried everybody else. She didn't talk to everybody else. Her girlfriend had got to the point to where when she called, they saw her number. They were like, oh, not today. I don't have time for this. We do it. Oh, I do it. <laughs> because when you see that number, you about know what's said. Do me and have that problem too? Yeah. I, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, okay. My husband don't really talk about it. <laughs> I, I just thought it was a no. woman's thing. Yeah. Okay, thank you. But we get to that place. But what is God really wanting us to do? Have we even seeked Him on what we are to do? God, give me the words to say that. How do I lead her to you, Lord? This woman got to a place, she said, wait a minute, I done heard about Jesus. He's where? Huh. I'm tired. Yeah. It says that she went down at his feet and gave her, her him her best. Put the perfume on. Gave his best. Are we giving God our best today? Are we giving him our best? And, and another thing about worship, uh, I heard this, me and my husband had this conversation, and I was kind of mad at him. And he says, do God need your worship? I was like, he need me. He said, no, he don't. Oh, oh no. Yes, he do. He said, no, he really don't. Because whether we do it or not, he's still God.
He said, Peter, you know, you're going to deny me. I'm going to let you know. But it's good. We're still good. You're going to deny me. And, and, and I, I won't be there to physically see, you know, when you do it. But I'm, I'm going to bring back to you that you did it. So there's going to be a, 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 a cop over there. And I'm going to have him croak three times. It obeyed God. When you think of stuff like that, that's worship, that's crazy, right? And we think we're doing something. It says that all things that have breath, crazy. So I'm going to leave that with y'all today. We need y'all. <laughs> <laughs> experience of love and adoration, of wonder and celebration. When we get into the presence of God, something should happen to us. The scripture says that we should be, we should not conform to this world, but be transformed. Transformation in our minds first has to happen. We have to start thinking different. How many dreamers do we have in this day? How many of us can see ourselves doing something different, bigger, and better than where we are right now? How many of us have compassion? That's what God loves, dreamers. And I love scripture says that he gives us the desires of our heart because I always heard it taught that if, if, if you can desire it, then it's yours. But it says he gives those desires to us. God knows what's best for us at every season in our lives. So we have to dream. You have to see yourself doing something bigger than where you are now, because if not, you will stay in the same place that you are. You will stay in the same place. So he'll give you a glimpse of what's before you. Some people don't dream at all, and I'm going to say that's okay, as long as you got dreamers around you. Because see, they can tell you, this is what I see you doing. They can encourage you. Worship gets us in a place of encouragement and excitement. And when you see that, thank you, Lord. Because you know it's Him. True worshipers have that relationship to when they know when God has just peeked into their lives. Or He can just open up the curtains and let you see a certain part of who you are in Him. He lets you see what He has. He lets you see what he has created. Because his desire is to bring out the best in us. <laughs> Not what we see in the natural, but what he sees in us in the spirit realm. And he'll allow you to tap into that. True worshipers tap into what God has to offer them. Amen. Amen. When you start worshiping God, something happens in your heart and in your soul when you begin to worship and thank Him even in the driest times of your life. Yes. How many just sit and cry? Worships. It is a release from the inside out. And God is wanting us to release. 
It says without words. It doesn't say that there was any conversation, but they said that she did went through the emotions of worship. Went through the emotions of worship. And he accepted it. Because she was giving him her best. She gave God her best. God has us at a place that no matter where we are, he is there. No matter what he go through, we go through, he knows all about us. But God is desiring us to know him. To know him. I can tell you about God the healer because I know how he healed me. I can tell you about the God of love because I can tell you there was a time in my life where it was just me. And I say, God, if this is what my life consists of, I'm good. I'm good. And he mounted me up. And I was so important, I kept saying, and if you have something more for me, I wish you would share it with me. Because this hurts. Being misunderstood, every time you say something is wrong, no matter what you do, so you walk around and you don't say nothing because you don't want to hurt nobody's feelings. And all along, you tore up on the inside. And the only one that can heal that broken heart is God. The only one that can love you no matter what you're going through is God. The only one that can understand you when don't nobody else understand you is God. The only one that knows when you give it in your all and people still ain't satisfied is God. Even in our jacked up way of thinking, he still loves us. And when we just say thank you, he accepts it. When we say, Lord, I, I, I know what I did was wrong, but I probably shouldn't have said that. He says, okay. Okay, new mercies, new mercies, new mercies, everything. He loved the children that's going through the wilderness so much. He says, I can't let them out because they'll go back to the same way they came. Because their way of thinking was not right. In Deuteronomy 8, he says, so I'm going to leave them here and still provide for them, even in the wilderness. God is wanting us to give him and sometimes when you feel like you're going around and around and around, maybe it's not God, maybe it's us. God, what are you showing me? What are you wanting me to release? What, are you, what would you have me to do? It said they were there going around and around and around. God still provides. He said, but I want to show them what's in their heart. I can't let them out with the same mindset that they went in with. They got to the point, they were saying bondage was better and slavery was better than this. He said, I can't let you out. So we are in here and we are in a place where we feel like God has us at a standstill. And we feel like, God, I feel lonely. I feel like no one understands me. I can't get my praise and worship to come in and comfort me. And that's what it does. Worship comforts us. He let us know that I'm with you. I'll go before you. I'll walk beside you. And I've got your back. He has us covered on every side. 
But sometimes this walk with Christ can get very lonely. But God is saying, I'm calling my true worshipers. I'm getting you to a place to where we inside. You can feel me at work. Even if it don't look like it. Why? Because spirit and in truth is how I work. Spirit and in truth. And we want to go through some dark days. As believers, some days I feel like my days are darker than the ones out there. They just skipping through the tulips and having a good old time. And I'm like, well, what about us? He says, I got you. I got you. And I love that scripture because there's so many words in there that we use in the body of Christ that sometimes we don't even know what it really means. But God is saying, if you trust me, I can bring out the true worshiper in you. No matter what you're going through, on the inside, it'll resonate out. That he can feel us, even when we feel like there's nothing left to give. He's there. Friend texts me this morning. She says, I feel like I'm all alone. And I said, well, somebody lied to you. Because he said he would never leave you, nor would he forsake you. But when he get us to that place, he's showing us what we're made of. It's in us. To be more than a conqueror, to be true worshipers, to be disciples of Christ, and not just a member in the body. A disciples of Christ. Transform us, God. Our way of thinking, our way of seeing. Transform the way we hear things. Anoint our hands the more, Lord. Continue to order our footsteps. We are a living sacrifice. All of it have to die and then be raised again. So if it's parts of us that we haven't let go of yet, let it go. Let it go and let God give us what we need in this day and age, in this time, to be what he's called us to be. Amen? Amen. Amen.